0: So I've opened up this podcast recording in so many different ways, and every time I looked back, I was just mildly unsettled by what I said, and so I took time away from it, I prayed, I showed the opening I had recorded to at least one other person, and I just, for some reason, I just, yeah, something in my being was not settled with how I had opened up. So I talked to some other people about these topics and I, I wanted to not just be completely and directly truthful, but I also wanted to really care for the people who are listening in the best possible way and be really clear about what the reason and the motivation for this episode is the episode does focus overall on pride month and all things concerning lgbtq plus however there's a specific focus on pronoun usage gender pronoun usage so let me be clear up front who my message is for who this podcast is for this is for anybody who claims Christ, who would identify as a Christian. Anyone in that category, this podcast, this opening monologue, the entire thing is for you. So what do I what am I trying to get across in this podcast? What am what's the purpose of me actually Speaking, Even though I don't like to hedge things all the time, I do want to be specifically clear that this isn't to lap on condemnation or just pour condemnation on people. Anyone who's in Christ, there is now therefore no condemnation. There is repentance, we repent, we turn to Christ. He is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So I want to make that really clear. But the reason I, at the beginning, said that this is for all people who claim Christ is because it is also evident in Scripture that there are people who claim Christ and are in error and need to be corrected. And there's also people who claim Christ and are not in Christ. So they don't actually believe in the true Jesus of scriptures. They've made their own Jesus, their own gospel, and they've redefined what it means to love people. So there are people who claim to be Christians who are either in error, maybe they're not in error on this issue, or they're not actually believers and we need to separate as christians we need to separate from them now i'm not saying to do that preemptively i'm just telling you that is who this message is for anyone who claims to be a christian who claims christ as their lord i don't think it's any secret that there has been a movement in the direction of liberalism in the church And people might not call it that, but let me give you an example. The example that I'm focusing on specifically in this episode is the use of preferred gender pronouns, specifically seeing pronouns in people's bios for the purpose of making a statement that we are to be more inclusive we are to recognize that there are people that may be born one sex, but actually identify as a different sex or a different gender, I am speaking to that movement, that direction that people are going. I have seen a lot of people who I've either done ministry with or been in fellowship with who have put these pronouns in their bio. Okay, you might be thinking, big deal, Danae, why are we focused on this? I do think that we give a little bit more detail to this explanation when Phil and I talk about it in the video that's to come. But let me start off the conversation and this podcast with a few fundamental and foundational truths from which I am operating which are guiding the conversation that Phil and I are having. The first is that God is who gives us our identities. We are not beings who fully and completely define ourselves. Just like when you have a kid, when you have a child, and if you think to yourself, I am going to make this child into, you know, X, Y, or Z, you're going to be a little bit disappointed when you realize that child is his or her own person. They have their own identity given to them by the creator. That's the same thing with all of us. All peoples are given our identity, our fundamental identities from the creator. One of those identities is our sex. So I am operating under the biblical truth that God gave sex, our sexual identity, as a gift to mankind. He started by creating Adam, the first man. He made Eve, the first woman from Adam to be a helper or helpmate for Adam. Okay, not the other way around. So I'm operating from that principle. God made man, man needed a helper, God made woman from man to be that helper. And there are rules established within that framework that bring flourishing, bring goodness to creation. So, my proposal is that when that is messed with by us, by anyone, we are fundamentally disordering what God had ordered. We are calling what God called good evil and what God calls evil, good. Okay, that's, that's where I'm starting. So how does this play into the pronoun discussion? Within the pronoun discussion, there are embedded presuppositions. One of the current embedded presuppositions that comes from gender theory is that gender and sex are not related to each other, that you can be a gender that is other than your sex, Or you can be the gender that relates or aligns with your sect, quote, assigned at birth. Because I reject the idea of human beings having gender in the first place, I see gender norms. Maybe I see gender in language, right? Gender is a grammatical term but I don't actually accept the notion and there's no biblical framework for accepting the notion that people have a gender, but there is, it is explicitly clear that people have as an identity, their sex. I cannot accept that presupposition of gender theory. So because I cannot accept that presupposition of gender theory, And because it's gender theory and the movement that is attached to transgenderism and the advocates and activists behind things like gender theory and transgenderism, because I cannot accept those presuppositions, I can also not yoke myself or link myself with the tasks that they set in front of us in order to achieve their goal, which would be to dismantle biblical notions and biblical principles of sex and identity and to reestablish a new order. And because reporting your preferred gender pronouns is part and parcel of the transgender and gender theory movement. I cannot yoke myself with that. So I believe that when Christians are taking part in this movement, that the activists and the professors, etc., are pushing us in the direction of, when Christians take part in that, they are actually denying the God who made them. They are denying that God is the creator of sex, that it was established by him, And they are trading that in for something that may look godly under the terms of inclusion or diversity, and they think that they are acting in compassion. But I am proposing that people are actually acting idolatrously by submitting to others claiming to be their own God. Now, how are they claiming to be their own God? Because they are self-identifying opposite to what the creator has identified them as. So you are submitting to them as the God of their life. So I don't think it can be compassionate. I don't think it can be loving. I actually think it's destructive to people. And so I want Christians to consider that and be aware of that and to fundamentally reject The world's version of love, which really is just accepting anything that anyone says about themselves in the nicest possible way and never asking a question or contradicting them. And I ask that Christians would actually love in truth, in grace, and be so close to God's word that they know how to answer everyone. In truth and grace in these difficult situations. Okay, so we just had a little issue with uh, recording. <laughs> we did about I don't know nine minutes of actual recording and the camera turned off. So we're doing it again. I've heard other people do this though. Have you heard podcasts where they're yeah. like, "Yeah, this is my second time," or they couldn't find the file? So I don't feel confession.
1: That I'm not. Well, I am a professional, but not in this. <laughs> I'm You're a, a professional, professional civil engineer. engineer. Yeah.
0: So I'm really not in this arena at all. Not in this. You know, not an is.
1: audiovisual podcasting. I don't,
0: I'm not a professional of any measure, according to any metric. I am no professional. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Anyway, uh, welcome to a place where conversations matter and truth matters even more. Uh, today we're talking about a particularly sensitive topic, as we had already discussed about 20 minutes ago, that wasn't recorded, and that is in I shouldn't say in honor of, in light of Pride Month, we're talking about a lot of LGBTQ plus issues and how Christians should respond to it. And um, first though, a quick word from our sponsor. <laughs> we don't have one. We do not have a sponsor. We're not super well known. We um, don't get any money from this. I don't get emotional currency. I don't get American dollars. I get nothing. So for anyone who has the idea that this is for like people to follow me. I have fewer people follow me now. I have fewer people who like me, fewer people who give me accolades. Um, the whole kind of spectrum of things that I used to live for have completely died because I get nothing from this, except the really deep satisfaction that I get from obeying God. And that has actually brought a tremendous amount of peace to my soul. I go to sleep well, basically every night right now, because I rest in the fact that God's sovereign and that I'm, my life trajectory is focused on him and that he's good. And so our relationship has been really great relationship with our kids, even though we don't, parenting obviously is its own thing, but our our house has a lot of peace in it our relationship with our parents, our relationships with other faithful believers has been so rich. And even though a lot of my former relationships have kind of crumbled or... Or shaky. Are shaky, or they've just dumped me, you know, whatever. Even though that's happened and that does bring me some sadness, it does, it brings me sadness, I really do have a deep joy um, that abides in me from God. So that's the satisfaction that I get from this and the hope that other believers are also being exhorted and spurred on To be obedient and to love God more to love each other and to really know what God's Word says Not just what a part of Scripture says or what the culture says a Christian should be. I got that too recently I don't know if remember the I'll I'll mention that in in a minute, but what does God say to be so even if Christian culture tells you something. It doesn't matter if it doesn't line up with God's word. So that's my hope. That's where my joy comes from, is from serving and obeying God. And even if Phil wasn't, which would be really hard if you weren't in on this with me, like if we weren't on the journey, really the journey of obeying God together, it would be even more difficult, yeah. obviously. I could still do it. You could still do it because the Lord is enough. God is enough. So that's what we get from this. We don't get sponsors. <laughs> we don't get people wanting to sell their security system on this podcast. So thanks for I'm watching. Not, let me Those say of you who are one watching. more
1: thing there are people who say thank you for doing this or yeah. things like that, but who don't do anything publicly about it.
0: Yeah, but there also are some people who Who do. Who are very
1: public about support. And there's people who are very public about their disagreements, whether it's a, you know, a fine point of contention or.
0: Yeah, which is good.
1: We're not in this to not. To like. Prove that we're right all the time. Yeah, to prove that we're right all the time and completely close ourselves off from any criticism. Um, But yeah, there are. Like we're all, we also want to encourage, give courage to people who agree in many points with this to say what you believe
0: Mm -hmm. and be equipped to do that. Yeah. And I I remember one of the first times the thought of a podcast or something public came to mind was when I saw people like Allie Stuckey and I thought, she's like a normal person who has a pretty successful like podcast and YouTube channel and she is very clear about what her convictions are mm-hmm. and she's an orthodox reform christian and
1: there are that many was people... very encouraging to me yeah. and so
0: i want other people to be encouraged the same way even if it's a much smaller segment of the population i want people to be encouraged by us in that same way
1: yeah i was going to say there are many people Who share similar religious convictions to her, who are engaged in religious, specifically religious podcastings, but not entering into the social and political spheres. Yeah. And she does that boldly in conviction.
0: Yeah. And so anytime you open yourself up publicly and you make a statement of any sort that is on an issue that divides, you are going to draw intense criticism. Yeah. You're going to draw some praise too, but you also will draw a lot of criticism.
1: Yeah, and people who listen have to keep in mind this isn't our full-time job we think and talk as a married couple behind the scenes and we record some of our conversations and we may kind of ham-handedly bungle an issue. Right. Or I've never heard know, of
0: bungle. Yeah, I don't exactly bungle, word. you know. Bungle. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there are some
0: words I learn every day. Some but. of us have
1: larger vocabularies <laughs> with words, cool words like said, bungles.
0: Shout out to Tori. My sister has said, wow, your vocabulary has gotten so much better after you got married. <laughs> Which is true. That is true. I remember actually when I was at your house after we got engaged at your parents' house and I woke up in the morning and I was so thrown off by the time change and your mom and you are like, oh, how are you doing? And I said, I'm just disillusioned and you both look <laughs> at me and I was like, what? What's the big deal? And they're like, disillusioned kind of doesn't mean, I think, what you think it means. It's like the world I'm, is my life is crumbling around me. It's like. Oh, maybe like disoriented then? And you're like, yeah, that's better. So I have, I have widened my vocabulary, that since being married. But anyway, back to the topic. So I, don't, I think I already mentioned this. We're focusing on issues related to LGBTQ plus, um, topics. And specifically, we're going to focus on the pronoun cho- choice to put pronouns like in your email, in your bio, in your profile, on a name tag, whatever. Or to even say it, like at a meeting, my preferred gender pronouns are da-da-da-da-da. And you've all seen that or heard that. Everyone, I think, is at least mildly aware that that is not just a direction that the culture is going willingly, but being mandated to go in that direction. It's being required to state what your you know, preferred gender pronouns or whatever are. And I had first heard about it, I think, in... 2015 at SCSU, they sent out like an email about what, you know, to fill in online what your preferred gender pronouns were. Anyway, so it has been six years since then, and it's definitely developed. Mm -hmm. And some of the ideology and philosophy behind it has developed as well. So I want to start with, though, a recent Facebook post that I put out that was in light of Pride Month, and the response that I got from it, which was, Telling, interesting. There's obviously also some positive components because you see people who are in like-minded and who are also willing to wage the same battles as you are, the same spiritual battles you are. So I don't want to discount that because there's always people that are, that are encouraging or that are, um, allied with you. And sometimes it's easy for me to just focus on, you know, the negative responses. So I'll mention that as well, but the, the post basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm as close to verbatim as possible. It said it's easier to celebrate someone's sin and be liked for it than to call lovingly, I did say this, lovingly call someone out on their sin and be hated for it. And I put hashtag pride. And one of the reasons I thought about that is because I work at a community college, a public community college. And I get emails about joining certain LGBTQ plus clubs, et cetera, and no one, no one that I have ever talked to on campus, heard from on campus, has ever said anything remotely critical of any type of LGBTQ plus topic, ever. It's like, it would be like blasphemy. I think, at a public school, especially in California. So, and then I'm also realizing there's a very strong and noticeable trend of people who profess to be believers and are posting like rainbow flags or, you know, happy pride. Some people are more like covert about it and just like pages or like pictures that are of gay pride parades or of, you know, gay rights, this, that, and the other. And some other people that are doing the pronoun thing in their bio, they put she, her, it's usually she, her, a lot of it is women. Obviously, I probably follow more women, but, and there's he, him, or she, they, whatever, you know, all the different pronoun choices. So anyway, I posted this with all those thoughts in mind knowing that it's easier for all people. I mean, regardless of what the topic is, it's always easier for you to not say anything and people just like, I like that person, they're just easygoing. they're chill, they don't make any noise, than it is to be the annoying person that's like, hey, that's not right. Think back to when you're a teenager and you're at maybe someone's house and someone put on like a show that maybe your parents wouldn't want you to watch. Like, the person that brought it up was the annoying person. Like, or, do you think we should be, should we should be watching that? It was like, oh gosh, really? You're here? Like, who invited that person? Or you felt so embarrassed if you brought it up and everyone was like, ah, oh, geez, come on. Like, we just wanted to have some fun. Like, why do you have to be a Debbie Downer? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so naturally for us as humans, it's easier to not say anything. Okay. Would you agree? Yeah. Not say anything or I also said in the post it's easier to celebrate it because yeah. now it's kind of mandatory. you either celebrate or you're exposed there's not yeah
1: and I think that's tolerance
0: what tolerance is not the the way that, of the the way that we're moving
1: Yeah there was a I would say it was a lie perpetrated by the the, the radical activist gay or trans or you know whatever label you might ascribe to it to that political social movement that all they want is for people to stay out of their business and let them like live and let live. When now it's become very obvious that for at least a certain segment, there, there's probably a sizable portion of those communities who of transgender people who just want to pass and not be questioned about it, of gay people who could care less if people knew they were gay or not. You could know, they just, care less. They, exactly they couldn't care less if people knew but there's also a sizable percentage of people who will not stop until everyone is forced to praise as as moral as upright as virtuous virtuous as even godly if you are a, a faith faith-based person you know someone who believes in God that it's it's by God's design that people would live this way and celebrate it and so
0: to call evil good and good evil, yeah,
1: and so that that's how we would describe it. Woe to those who call evil good and or good evil, um, but that's that's part of the agenda. So there's there's memes, funny memes, sad kind of sad memes about the gay agenda, but there really is there's something to that. The it's it's obvious in many examples in lawsuits in. Interactions with people that there is a large segment of people who are not okay with anyone who doesn't who who won't say what you are doing, who you are, how you identify and live your life is moral, and it's good. just as good. It's it's good. Yeah. Period. It's good. Period. And so if if there are Christians, faithful Christians, or I don't know, maybe.
0: Faithful Muslims. Yeah,
1: Muslims, I, w- I think, have pretty Thanks strong convictions Jews. or Jews when it comes to sex and gender, th- those of the more orthodox or conservative traditions. Like, if these people won't accept that as good, then they must be overthrown, canceled, as the, the current vernacular says. So I think that's that's important to note.
0: Yeah. So, we're, what were some of the responses? So, I got, you know, people who liked the post. Not a huge number. Just some people that liked the post. No one really that surprising. People that I'm like, yeah, they would. <laughs> they would be on board with that. And then some people, you know, agreeing in the comments. One particular, uh, there's two, two parts of this though, that I want to focus on. One was that it was shared by at least two people in a negative way, like shared on their Facebook in a negative way, and I didn't read everything because I just thought it would be unhelpful to read all these comments, but one was trying to raise money for um, the Trevor Project, and that is for, I think, an LGBTQ um, suicide hotline, which... Of course, I'm for suicide hotlines, but it was, it was really to support, um, LGBTQ yeah. issues. And the underlying assumption there is that people like me are the ones who are driving people to call the suicide hotlines because I make them or people like us, um, are the ones making them suicidal. And, um, I reject that premise. So that was shared. Then I was, I was tagged by another person in one of the comments and I didn't read it. I had someone else I trusted read it and say, is this something that I want to get involved in? And they said, no, you, you shouldn't get involved in this. They're trying to wrap you up into something. So I said, okay. So I realized that this was one of the first times that I had posted something publicly that people like went after me where they were like Mm. actually trying to troll me or to like denigrate me or whatever. And I thought, oh wow, this is kind of a new experience for me. I knew that people like wouldn't like me inside, but I didn't know that they would do something about it. You know? So then after that I took off, you know, all pictures of my kids and just personal information on both my Instagram and my Facebook, because I thought, okay, the Bible is right when it says that if people hated Jesus, when Jesus was here, they're definitely gonna hate me. 'cause I'm not even perfect and but I am an ambassador for him and I adhere to God's standard of morality. Um, or I espouse God's standard of morality. So that was new and that was weird. It wasn't particularly bothering bothersome. I think each time that something like that happens, I get I'm like less bothered just because you start getting used to it, you know. But um the other thing that I wanted to mention was the comment that I got on there from A friend and I want to be kind of delicate about this because it is it is a friend of mine and um, I do love them but I still think that they are fundamentally wrong and I think the arguments that they presented are worth talking about for other people to kind of to sift through and the main argument if I summed it up and I think this is being as charitable to them as and as honest as I can while summing up is that I am being unloving is that a correct Condensing of their comment.
1: I Hadn't thought about it in that terms. I don't wasn't
0: I'd... that specifically what they said They said it does this doesn't seem loving. I Think that was yeah, I think that's what she said. Yeah, yeah, and then I responded with can you describe can you explain to me? Why this is unloving and then it was it doesn't come off as loving it sounds hostile yeah right and then the second part was or uh, the second part doesn't really matter the third part was of this person's comment was you tend to post things like this and i'm wondering like why are you doing it you know who's your audience what are you trying to yeah because i mean obviously
1: like somebody who's full on into pride and lgbtq acceptance
0: I'm not reaching them. Like, likely. yeah, well, like Well, I mean, who maybe. I don't you know. don't know. Yeah,
1: you don't know. But if no one says
0: anything, they're definitely not. In, in that
1: post, at least, you weren't their primary audience. No. your primary audience was Christians who are shirking their responsibility, especially Christians who have, you know, they may not have the exact same level of convictions as we do when it comes to these issues about what's moral or what's not, but they skew maybe towards the more traditional. Interpretation of, of scripture and gender, sexuality uh, that that we have, and yet they are not willing to be vocal about it. And they may even, you know, with their acquaintances, like or promote or approve in some way of those behaviors or identities. And so that was who your post was My primarily post was for Christians. Yeah.
0: Or for professing Christians. For professing I Christians. Say. Because I do want to be very clear i want people to get out of the camp and stop identifying with the camp if they're not obeying the director of the camp right yeah if god mandates something and you are deliberately disobeying 1 john says that if you continue in sin and you do not repent of that the father's love is not in you and you are not in him so it's confusing for other christians and it's confusing for people who aren't christians to see people praise and validate something that is actually fundamentally destroying them and that's very bothersome to to people trying to live out the great commission say i want people to be reconciled with god and then we have people in the camp with us or at least seemingly in the camp with us telling people the exact opposite thing and that doesn't reconcile them to God, because it's not based on our standards that people are reconciled to God, it's God's standard. Yeah. So I'm not going to change it, like far be it from me to change God's standard, so that someone else can like it better. They're not going to like it. If, if you don't like it, like for instance, if you invite someone to a Bible study and just say, Hey, do you want to come study the Bible? And they come, they probably came because they wanted to study the Bible. If you said, "Hey, you want to come to my house and hang out, and we'll eat food, and we'll watch a movie, and at the very end, like we're gonna like pray for 30 seconds, like don't worry about it, it's not a big deal," and they come, there might be a chance they came because they wanted to pray, but likely they they came because they wanted to hang out and watch a movie and eat food, blah blah blah. So I'm not going to try to make God more likable to people. He's the God of the universe. He's perfect and holy and righteous and good and lovely and fulfills all things. Every good thing is from him. I don't need to make him any different than what he is. And so it's it's a slap in the I mean, it's a it's I know I'm getting passionate now, but it's it's like you're vomiting on on the Lord of the universe by saying, Let me just like paint you a little differently and make you a little bit more sparkly so people can like come to you and then like things will be okay. I'll do it my way. You're setting up your own path to righteousness. You're setting up your own path to truth. You're setting up your own plan of salvation, which by the way, never works. It's a wide path that everyone walks on. The path that the Lord has set is narrow and very few walk on it. So that part of it was to people that I just, I'm i like, get out of the camp. Stop identifying with the camp. You can call yourself something else. You can call yourself whatever you want, but stop confusing people and calling yourself a Christian. That was one. Other people, we want to call out Christian sin to be like, come back. You know, come back, like repent. God's gracious. God does forgive. God, um, and we forgive too because we've been forgiven much. There's not yeah. going, we're not going to hold anything over anyone. Just like people have not held things over me. Praise the good Lord. So it's a call to people to yeah. return. And then third is what you said people who are quiet to speak up.
1: Yeah, there's a, one of the many problems, well, I mean, at any point in church history and Christian history that you go, you're going to find problems in the church. One of the current problems in modern American evangelical Christianity would be a relentless pursuit of comfort. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you go to, uh, you're you're in a Sunday school class and you're going around the circle sharing prayer requests, you might hear a lot of prayer requests related to alleviating their own personal discomforts and in a lot of its real ways you know it's like hey I'm having this relationship problem and it's really taking a toll on me or uh, you know I lost my job and we're you know we're struggling financially and I don't know where but there's it's, it's like we have it's like we've forgotten Jesus has promised that in this world you will have troubles, Mm -hmm. but take heart because I've overcome the world. And we pray really hard to have like a comfortable life because we equate that comfort with being in God's favor. Mm -hmm. But in many respects, like Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when others persecute you and revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, for great is your reward in heaven. For So they persecuted the prophets who were before you, um, you know, there's, there's a sense of persecution and there's just a, a sense of life in a fallen, broken world that we're not always going to be comfortable in our lives compared to a hundred, 200, 500, a thousand years ago. I mean, it's, immensely, it's, in, it's incredible. Yeah. I, incredible. if I wanted to, I would, I could never be hungry for a moment of my life.
0: You're probably not really very hungry for m- many moments of your. Life. Yeah,
1: the only the only times that I am hungry is when I intentionally fast. Um, and
0: we hate it usually. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if you well, hate it as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you're pregnant, so yeah. it's probably not the best idea well, right now. Well, not right but, now, but yeah. Um, yeah, we we just we have so much, and so that's one of the tough things that Christians have to combat in what God is calling us to do in engaging with the culture, engaging in politics, engaging with our coming not as coming not as like people per se but as Christians into all these different spheres of life and we bring the full weight of the authority of Scripture, of God's rule and reign in our lives and over the whole universe And it's not going to be comfortable Mm -mm.
0: right yeah it's really uncomfortable yeah Mm -hmm. i want to read so one of the compelling scriptures or the scriptures that compelled me to write that post was from ezekiel 2 i'm just reading little passages from that it's ezekiel's call from the lord and he says and whether they hear israel hears or refuse to hear they will know that a prophet has been been among them Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear. So this kind of flies in the face of the mentality that efficacy, our terms of efficacy and strategy should be the principle in which we apply in every spiritual endeavor. What we think is efficacious obviously does not align with this because we would think, well, people aren't listening. You know, I'm on a street corner. I'm evangelizing. Everyone's just passing by me. No one's listening. Oh, that's not effective. God just says, speak what I tell you to spend. And this specifically is to Ezekiel. I acknowledge that, but the principle is still the same that God will do what he wants to do, regardless if anyone hears or not. And the, the purpose he gives here, they will know that a prophet has been among you. They yeah. Know and sometimes, that prophet has been among you.
1: sometimes people use that pragmatism as an excuse to not, to no,
0: not do anything. To not do
1: anything. Right. Yeah. To remain silent.
0: Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful part, too. So, um, in chapter three, he says, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll. So it's the words of God. And Ezekiel says, then I ate it and in, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And I love that because even though they were actually bitter words that he was going to give to the Israelites, it was sweet to him because it was from the Lord. Mm. It's sweet to us because it's from the Lord. So one of the arguments that was on this Facebook post was, well, this type of sin, this type of, and it wasn't even called sin actually in the post, this type of issue or this type of thing needs to be handled really delicately. And my my response to that First, there is an assumption that I'm talking to people who identify as gay or transgender, which if you read the post is explicitly clear that that's not who I'm talking to, actually. I'm talking to Christians who aren't saying anything of to their friends who are gay or transgender or people maybe they're not even friends with, but they're like joining themselves or yoking themselves with people who Mm -hmm. identify as gay and trans in those movements, not just people, the movements behind them. And so either way, that wasn't an accurate accusation, but the assumption there is if I had been talking to people who are lesbian, gay, transgender, whatever, bisexual, that that is something I need to be really careful about. And my response to that is, why am I more careful about that than any other sin? What makes that a special sin? What makes, and the the argument the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years or whatever, to the the christian church has been that we have treated the gay issue with more disdain than other issues and there's probably some there's definitely some elements of truth but when people think about that they think like westboro baptist right which is not the majority of us we are not out with pickets with slanderous words or like um what kind of words would you would you call them
1: oh they're the the most offensive nomenclature Purposefully offensive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Pejoratives. Better so use. instead of
1: saying homosexuality is a sin, they would say the the F word. You know.
0: F A G S go yeah. to hell. Stuff yeah. Like stuff that. like
1: that. Yeah. So
0: it's meant to it's really meant to like hate and show disdain. Mm-hmm. Show an absolute disdain for that particular sin. So I understand when people have that contention But I think that is a ploy that's also been used by the more liberal Christians, the progressive Christians to say, oh, we've done such a bad job at that. The vast majority of people haven't, actually. It's a small minority that gets on the news, that's loud, that everyone listens to, or that everyone uses to paint the picture, right, of all of their Christians. So I don't even think that's true. But second of all, I'll I'll return the argument in the other way the accusation is, oh, Christians have has like, ha- Christians have magnified the gay issue as if that's the only sin, blah, blah, blah. First, my response is, no, I don't think we actually have. But my second response is, why are you doing that in reverse? Why are you minimizing it? Why are you treating it with kid gloves more than you would, let's say, an adulterer? Or for, let's use the adultery example. Your friend um, tells you, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm cheating on my spouse. Or let's say we had a month cheat on spouse month and we're all excited because that that could be a sexual orientation too. I'm polygamous. My partner isn't, but I also have an orientation that doesn't allow me to disclose that information to my spouse. So we're going to have a month that celebrates it and people are going to kind of celebrate it together, hopefully. And I think most people would be outraged. Most professing Christians would be like, Hey, that's wrong. Why are you willing to say that that one's wrong? But you have to kind of, you know, walk on eggshells about other sins. I want to bring something up also in Ezekiel. So a little, a few chapters later, God is telling Ezekiel how he's going to destroy the Israelites, right? In like three ways that he's going to destroy them. One's by famine, one's by sword, etc. And he says he's going to take the bodies of the Israelites, the dead bodies, and put them by their idols. When they're dead, like like they're worshiping their idols. Because you want to worship them, you will worship them in your death, right? Right. <laughs> Like, it's very symbolic that you lived by it, you die by it. So I see sin as obviously a heavy issue, right? It's what separates us from God. God responds very directly to people who are in disobedience. And anyone who is tacitly approving or, or overtly approving of this you are asking for God's wrath to be stored up against yourself and those people who are you are ostensibly loving, who are you are ostensibly loving by being careful and not saying it too loudly and not saying it too quick. I don't understand the argument in Scripture. I don't think there's a Scriptural basis for you to say that we treat this sin differently than we do another sin.
1: Yeah, Jesus says for those who would cause one of the little ones, one of these little ones to sin, that it would be better for a millstone to be hung around their neck and for them to be thrown in the sea.
0: These are your little ones. Yeah. They are the ones that you are truthful to. How do we treat our kids? We're honest with them. We're truthful with them. We care about them. We love them. We protect them from evil. You are not protecting them from evil by not saying anything or saying something so vague that it's meaningless it doesn't do anything to help people.
1: Yeah, and if it, when it comes to the opportunities you have to protect people from these things say in a uh, a democratic republic like the United States where we have the chance to vote on many issues via referendum or we vote for representatives who are going to carry forth who we vote for representatives who are the kind of people we think would vote according to the our interests or the the issues that they've campaigned on that elected them to to fight for. And so there are Christians who skew to this libertarian side.
0: And I've been guilty of that. Yeah.
1: Well, no, I've, I, you know, I've been there too. And in doing that, it's like, well, you know, with marriage, I believe it's, you know, for a man and a woman, but you know, I get, well, maybe, maybe we just shouldn't have the, the state or the government involved in this. And so, you might, and that's not really our place, at least in the political realm, to tell people what they can and can't do as far as that kind of like a marriage contract. Well, if you're a Christian, you know, this is a moral issue. And if you don't vote according to what is moral,
0: it's not just it's a moral sin. issue. It is the foundation of society yeah. is marriage. This has broken down the foundation. It started with, um it started with divorce right cheating divorce adultery then led into all these other different types of sexual sin yeah. that has destroyed the family and so if there's anything that you're going to put your foot on it should be that Yeah. so
1: you're as a christian the way that you vote you, the, the public policy that you advocate for should line up with biblical morality and you shouldn't hide behind some libertarian hands-off, The government-shouldn't-be-involved excuse, in order to live a life that's less offensive to godless pagans.
0: We'll be right back after a quick break.
1: Well, welcome back from that short break. I hope you enjoyed the message from our sponsors. (laughs) Again, we don't have any sponsors. Um, but we're exactly. going to dive into. They don't
0: want to sponsor us. Yeah, we'll sell whatever you're selling.
1: <laughs> we will not sell whatever you're selling. That's we true. Won't. But we have depending scruples. Depending on who you
0: are, yeah. <laughs> depending on who you are. Okay, so we were going to jump into the main part of this podcast, which was the gender pronoun usage in people's bios, in your meetings, et cetera. The reason we brought it up. Well, I've been asked before in different meetings to disclose my preferred gender pronouns. I think you have? Mm. You haven't? Okay. It's definitely in academia for sure. Everything starts in academia and then just flows from there and then all the students are brainwashed by it and then go out. But anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, And also I've been seeing it in a lot more Professing Christians' bios and that's really what Triggered my thought process. Okay. What's the problem with it? (laughs) Well, I think we should start off with what the Bible says about male and female. Yeah. Right? I think so. Fundamentally, what do we believe about males and females? Well, we believe, like in Genesis 2, that male was first made from God. That woman or that female was made from man. The word woman really means coming from man, and the root of the word woman means soft. So they're like the softer version of the man. God said that it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he had a partner, a helper, fit, fit for him.
1: Fit for him, which means a helper that corresponds to him, that corresponds to his needs, and he corresponds to her needs, her weaknesses, his weaknesses, fit together like a puzzle.
0: So automatically, right off the bat, we see hierarchies. Hierarchies, again, not in value, but in authority or order. Man comes first, woman comes from man. Woman, who is partnered with the man, is under the authority of the man. There, can no, there cannot be that at all if there is not woman and man, fundamentally. Yeah. There has to be categories of woman and man, but now it's not just a category. It is the order that God set in place. So if there is someone who has been gifted by God to be a man and be an authority, and they instead choose, I'm using that word kind of like loosely, but they choose to be a woman, they are shirking the responsibility that God gave them as a man to exert authority and dominion over the earth and to lead a woman, most usually to get married, to have kids, etc. And they are instead choosing to tell God that He has disordered them. He has put them in the wrong order or wrong category. If there is a woman who instead claims that she is male, either in her emotions, in her head, whatever, she is then telling God who has gifted her to be a woman, that she instead is not supposed to be the one submitting to her husband. She instead is the man that is going to actually administer and exert authority over the earth. Okay. So you already have an issue there with telling God, what he called good, not good. So you're calling what's good, not good, and you're calling what's not and good, it's this, good.
1: It's similar, although what Paul is talking about in Romans is directly focused on soteriology or salvation, about the pottery, telling the potter, why did you make me this way?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's the same thing. It's like, Concept. Yeah. Why did you make me this way as with male parts when I'm female? Well, no, you're not. You're male.
0: Yes, and I mentioned this in the opening, which at this point I actually have yet to record, but if you're listening to this, you have heard it already, that this stems from the idea of I am who I define myself to be, right? That, And I stated in the opening that that is eerily similar to how God describes himself in Exodus when he tells Moses, I am who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. Because God is self-defined and he's actually the only self-existent and self-defining being. All of us receive identification from God, not from ourselves. Yeah.
1: And Paul says to, he said to the Athenians, it is in him that we live and move and have our being. Mm
0: -hmm. Have our being. But he
1: has God, the triune God has being in himself.
0: Yes so what is wrong with doing you know preferred gender pronoun well if you yourself are saying that you are defining which some christians may say well i've defined what my preferred gender pronoun is i'm a female or i'm a male you are then stating that you give yourself identity god does not give you the identity so you are making yourself god which is in violation of the second commandment Thou, you shall not have any Oh, actually the first commandment you shall have no other gods before me you have made yourself the authority and the god who gives and infuses identity and being into your nature the second issue and i think it's actually the one that's more prevalent is the fact that most christians are probably doing it under the guise of compassion right and so they're saying i'm being compassionate to people who maybe are non-binary they'll say people who are confused, uh, people who are hurting from having to define for them or to having always to tell people what their preferred gender pronoun is. So to alleviate that discomfort, I am going to then for them, for their sake, define my preferred gender pronouns. But it's the same issue. You have then submitted to the idea that they are their own God and that they get to decide for themselves who they are as a sex or as a gender. I we might get into this a little bit more. Gender is not a is is not a a thing. People don't have gender. That's a grammatical term. It's been kind of usurped from grammar and from from language and placed onto like physical identity. It doesn't even make sense actually to say for a gender pronoun. It it should be like. Preferred sexual identity right that they're they're coming off as someone who is presenting as a different sex Um, But they use the word gender because it's it's Obscure enough that you can kind of pass it through uh, without much scrutiny. Yeah,
1: because sex is explicitly it's it's more related in Our language or in science to biology and the sexual organs whereas gender is socially constructed and an expression of certain norms. Mm-hmm. And so if you subscribe to certain behaviors, it's more unfalsifiable than the, whether you physically have the sexual organs of a male or a female.
0: And I can already hear like some arguments uh, when you hear this in interviews a lot sex and gender are not the same thing. Okay. So let's say I agree with you. Okay. Sex and gender are not the same thing. I, again, I don't even subscribe to the idea that people have, have a gender, right? Um, I, I acknowledge that people have a sex, but not a gender, but e- either way, if, if you were to argue, you know, sex and gender are different things, It your argument still falls flat, because there would be nothing such as gender affirmation, used to be called reassignment, gender affirmation surgery that changed the external sex characteristics of a person if sex and gender weren't directly related to each other in everybody's mind and everybody knows it. You know it when you're listening to this. The reason why there is such a thing as any type of surgeries going on is because there's a physical external sexual component to this idea of gender. They are directly linked to each other, and yeah. anyone that tells you they're not is lying to you, and they're trying to pull the wool all over your eyes. So I think that was pretty clear. Um, the, uh, the thought of intersex might enter people's minds, and it has entered my mind a lot. Um, intersex is, I, I think, was kind of taken under the umbrella of LGBTQIA, For the benefit of the movement, not because it actually had anything to do with people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, etc. There's about one in every 2,000 babies in the U.S. known that are born with indeterminate sexual organs. That still isn't...
1: That's not inconsequential. That's not
0: inconsequential. It's not a a super small number. Yeah,
1: I probably would have said one of 10,000 or more. Yeah,
0: and so it's bigger than you would think. Yeah. So then the question is, okay, well, how do, how do we reconcile that? You know, what do we do with that? I think the first thing would be to look at Matthew 19. And there's a reason people might be offended. Well, of course, everyone's gonna be offended by all of this, but so let's just keep going. But in Matthew 19, uh, Jesus is talking about marriage. And all of this really is related to marriage because what do males and females do? They get married, what do two people do? They couple up. So he's talking about marriage, and in in 1912, he says, for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. And he's talking about those who wouldn't be given in marriage so one who is a eunuch by birth eunuch usually eunuchs were referred to as males who didn't have the capacity anymore they were castrated they didn't have the capacity to reproduce so they didn't have a sexual drive Um, but eunuch can also be a broad umbrella term to mean someone who is born without the the possibility even mere possibility of reproduction so if you have someone who is intersex and is not fertile and I don't know, there's so, so much on the spectrum. There could be people that um, their external sex characteristics uh, uh, align exactly with female, but they have internal testes. There's, there's, there's a whole different list of issues that could arise from this. But if someone ha- is indeterminate what sex they are, It's a really complex thing for me to think about and I think for the church to think about and be careful in considering how we talk about it. But I think that is very obviously in line with what Jesus is talking about, that there are some people from birth who were not made to who who can't reproduce because they have um, this this issue, this deformity. It is a deformity. And we don't mock deformity. We wouldn't laugh at deformity. I'm not making yeah. light of it, but it is a deformity. And so what, how do you categorize that? Well, I think every issue that we have in all of society and in our and specifically in our physical being, from cancer to a pimple on your face to being intersex, is all a display of the of the fallenness of our species we are a fallen species we do not manifest in the manifest our physical nature in the way that was initially purposed by god sin did not just corrupt our desires it corrupted our entire body there would not be disease there would not be cancer there would not be illness there would not be any of these issues if sin hadn't entered the picture. And so that's how we do categorize it, that that is something that God, Jesus will make right. Jesus will give us new bodies. He will heal us completely and wholly and fully. And so they're not a different, anyone who is intersex isn't a different non-human, right? They are still a human, right? They are still fully made in God's image, but they bear a certain mark, of the fall of man that other people don't, I bear certain marks of the fall of man that other people don't, so that's how I think um, wh- one way best to understand it or categorize it is
1: yeah and and in that they have a unique opportunity because it is through great suffering and trials that many people are able to draw closer to God. yeah, so in our comfortable American evangelical Christian world where we have great freedom and great wealth and prosperity and comfort, we miss out on many opportunities to grow close to God through suffering. Suffering is a, it, it's a school. There's, uh, there's a man who mentored me for a while and he talked about the, like the suffering suffering a seminary basically as as like the teaching the place where you're taught to be close to god and, and to draw near to him and hmm. so if that's if that's you then you you want to seek kind gentle pastoral care and in whatever way you can to not shake your fist at god like why did you make me this way but Try to lean into that suffering and use it for its benefit to draw close to God, mm-hmm. and for for Christians or for people who would use that as a way to justify people who don't have those genetic deformities,
0: people who identify as trans.
1: Yeah, shame, like shame on you. This is a you are you are manipulating the truth and kind of abusing abusing the identity of these people or the way that they are in order to further your political agenda and that's not good
0: mm-hmm. choosing to justify it yeah yeah it should be completely separate i do i do not know why intersection yeah. is looped in with yeah
1: the fact that some people LGBT. are are have a Deformity when it comes to their sexual organs, whether they be the outward or some inward thing, that has no bearing on people who say I'm a, I have a woman's brain in a man's body. Like it's not the, That's not the same thing at all. No. So that doesn't that doesn't come into the argument at all. And it's not, and it's not
0: an additional gender or sex, because every time you have. Every time someone is intersex or has ambiguous genitalia, it's always a mixture of the two sexes. It's not like this third, you know, abstract sex that can reproduce. It can't reproduce because only the two sexes together can reproduce. Yeah.
1: We're a sexually dimorphous species. Species.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the, the... Trans issue definitely runs deep. I think it's the, uh, and, and that, that's where the preferred gender pronouns come from, is yeah. people who m- might, may have gender dysphoria um, or, yeah, identify as, as transgender, who are being, I think, young women and men, specifically men, it, it plagues men more than it does women. Um, there's far more trans women than there are trans men are being preyed upon by this movement and by, unfortunately, other Christians that aren't willing to say what's true. And instead of telling them what's true, they tell them what's a lie and say, oh, if I, if I um, affirm them in this, that actually is going to alleviate a lot of their suffering and pain. And unfortunately yeah. that's not the case because, well, there, there are several studies that actually suggests that the the affirmation part has very little to do with the um, the suicidality and the depression, and et cetera. Um, even post post uh, surgery, post operative um, transgender people, some of them do say that. S- you know, some of these feelings have been alleviated, but a lot of them are still very suicidal and still very depressed. And so you're not helping them in any way by telling them something that is not true and actually taking them further from uh, God who designed them to to live in a particular way. We, we forget oftentimes that the way that God, you know, when we read the Bible, we think, oh, this is a list of rules that he wants us to obey, uh, uh, abide by. It's because that flourishes humankind it's we forget the phrase for our good it's for our good we we structure our house in such a way hopefully that it's for our kids good for my husband's good for my good for our good right not for you to just toe the line and do everything that i want you to do it's because i've created you in such a way that if you only eat sugar every night that's going to hurt your teeth. But if you start eating things that are healthy for your teeth, your teeth are going to last longer. So we, we do the same thing in nutrition all the time. Why aren't we doing the same thing spiritually mm-hmm. when it comes to spiritual matters? Uh, so God is never telling you or urging you to do something that is actually um, taking you further away from Him and hurting you in that matter.
1: Yeah. So I, I'd say we could take a slight rewind and go back to... Okay, so there's a Christian person who puts pronouns in their LinkedIn profile or their Facebook profile or, or bio or something like that. What is, unpack that a little bit, what's going on there? And I think the, the main thing you said was it's, it's the idea of being kind or nice. Um, one of the aspects of that is the idea that affirmation or showing like some acknowledgement of those issues is going to reduce the suicidality Mm -hmm. and the the jury's still out on that one Mm -hmm. right and as christians we have a responsibility to live according to the truth and truth is that which corresponds to reality and reality is what god says it is Mm -hmm. and so if in trying to to do this you are defying the created order You are going outside of what God has ordained as real, as true, then even if it seems kind on its face, it's actually unkind, and you are doing that thing that Jesus was very harsh about. You're causing these little ones to stumble, and it would be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and for you to be thrown into the sea. So I had said earlier that I had talked about the idea of comfort in how it's a big pitfall for modern evangelical Christians. And another one is this 11th kind, commandment of being kind. Kindness. Not kind,
0: but nice. Nice. Which is different.
1: Yeah. Being nice. Nice and inoffensive. and, and
0: Yeah, can you define what you mean by nice?
1: No. Can you define <laughs> what I mean by being nice? Well,
0: One of them would be what you said, inoffensive. So yeah. never causing offense and not oh, avoiding offense, but n- don't cause it's like avoid saying anything that yeah. would offend anybody I think that would be at least a foundational definition of this niceness doctrine or of this eleventh commandment of niceness
1: yeah yeah, I think that's I think that's well said. I probably should have been prepared
0: to <laughs> define it. <laughs> I was hoping that I you would say something like out, but... I don't know if I could yeah. define it, but yeah.
1: No, I think that's good um and so as as Christians, we can appreciate the good intention behind someone who does that and thinking that they're going to be nice, but we can also say it's unwise and it's actually it's feeding into the sinful brokenness of our society when you do that
0: it's uh, it's fundamentally unloving. Yeah, actually, to tell someone something that's not true—that's not true—and I have this picture of, there's a really terrible scene at I think Saving Private Ryan near the end where there's like a slow death and this guy has a knife and Mm. he's like slow. It's like it's traumatized me.
1: (laughs) And there's a there's a man who's cowering in fear who could stop it, but he doesn't. Oh my gosh, I didn't
0: even know that. Wow, that even works with the analogy better. So there's a man like kind of around the corner. Yeah, that one could of his do one of his
1: brothers in arms who is paralyzed by fear. And well,
0: won't won't protect him. Yeah. So I kind of see the person. So let's say the person that's on the ground being killed is the, we'll say, the person who's trans or the person who's homosexual. The person on top of them, because there's there's not really a mean look on the guy's face that I can remember. It's almost like this, like, happiness of him like slowly killing the guy. At least that's how I remember it. So just pretend there's a person on the ground, there's a guy like slowly putting, and this is really graphic, but like slowly putting a knife, and he kinda has this smile. And there's a guy around the corner that's cowering in fear. Well, then this analogy, how I've pictured it, the person on the ground is, yeah, the homosexual or the transgender person, the person on top of them it is the, the the movement. Is the progressive Christian, the progressive um, professor, whatever, who's telling them all the things they want to hear, who's going to affirm
1: them all the way down into
0: death. Hell. And they're they're yeah. smiling as they do it. They're like, Well, at least you I have a kind look on my face. That doesn't do a bit of good to anyone. And the other person around the corner who's like, Well, I just don't want to get involved. You are allowing that to happen. So you do have to get in the fire, like join yeah. join us in the fire in this because we can't let people suffer like that, number one. And we also can't let people smile while they're causing other people to suffer. The people that are putting on the pride parades and, and the politicians that are, that have no, that, that cost them nothing, right. To tell someone that their six-year-old should be able to have trans, Transgender search uh gender re- or... hormone replacement therapy or or by the age of 12 have some type of surgery or whatever I don't yeah. even know what age is acceptable. So don't write that down but it costs them nothing and it costs people nothing who don't have any skin in the game To say something like that So
1: and they don't have to pick up the pieces with that person yes. in their 20s or 30s or 40s When they start to wonder did I make a mistake, I make in, a mistake? Tr- in transitioning?
0: It's okay. They got elected right? Oh, they're professor of the year.
1: And the broader activist transgender movement will try to silence or malign the character of people who did,
0: De-transition. Who
1: detransitioned in the same way that the the broader gay activist, radical gay activist movement will try to silence or delegitimize or slander anyone who comes was, out of the closet again. Was living, <laughs> uh, living a gay lifestyle and
0: then lives a heterosexual yeah, lifestyle and
1: transitions.
0: Yeah, those are silent. Who, who
1: repudiates that aspect of their identity and
0: so don't conflate the idea that niceness is helping anyone and smiling at people is actually
1: or that those people are the most loving people because they are vicious. Yep, yeah, the people that will
0: smile at you while slowly killing you. Yeah, I mean that's Satan's tactic. Satan doesn't come with little horns on his head. Yeah, you know, and so we always think like oh, Satan is the, the person that, it, it's really obvious. It's not really obvious. It's very subtle, and it's seductive, and it lures you in. And I think he's successfully done that to yeah. a lot of professing Christians.
1: And I, I wanted to add a third aspect of one of the major failings of modern evangelical American Christianity, which is the lack of deep thought and consideration. Because that, that could be another aspect. You know, a lot of people who are doing this, it it's that it seems kind and they just they stopped right there and didn't think about it more deeply Mm -hmm. about what it implies what are the what's the baggage or what are the things that are coming along with you putting these pronouns in your bio Mm -hmm. you are affirming this ideology you are partnering with the radical activists you are participating in actions that harm people You are subverting the created order of the almighty God, and it's something that you'll be held accountable for. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something I was going to say, and now I can't remember, but I've done that a lot recently. Pregnancy. Pregnancy brain. Yeah. So i wanted to close with something encouraging though there's it's going to kind of be a mix one of my favorite uh passages in scripture and i can't remember if it's first Corinthians six but it's the passage where there's a list of sins um some of you were this some of you were this some of you were homosexuals and then it says but you were washed and that's like when i hear that it almost brings me to tears each time because that is the generosity and the faithfulness of God. He will wash you. And so there's not, this isn't an episode to condemn people and say, you're stuck where you are. There's actually healing, walking with God. We aren't, we aren't CRT people and say that you are subject to a life of endless groveling. We aren't Some cult that says that you need to perform these certain tasks in order to be accepted by God. We have a God who's merciful and who says that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But what's incumbent upon us is to confess and to repent. You confess, repent, and believe, Mm. and God cleanses you. I mean, it, it doesn't take you doing, you know, sweeping the house a few times and and going to the neighbors and passing out tracts. God takes you as you are if you acknowledge your sin and trust in Him. So that's a really, really encouraging truth, and that's only found in the Christian faith.
1: If you're a man, embrace godly masculinity. If you're a female, embrace godly femininity. Live to honor the one who made you. Submit to Him, and He will lift you up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for listening. Take heart. Thank <music> you.